Hi, this is Mark Rabin. Before the episode, let me quickly tell you about my new book. It's titled Measures of Success. It's a book that will help you react less to your performance metrics, every up and down in those. It'll help you lead better. It'll help you improve more. So you can learn more about the book by going to www.measuresofsuccessbook.com or you can search Amazon. It's available as a print book, a Kindle book. It's available through Apple Books. I hope you'll check it out. Hi, this is Mark Raven. If you like this podcast, you might realize I have a blog, leanblog.org. Did you also know that I have another podcast called Lean Blog Audio? And there I basically, occasionally, or as often as I can, I read audiobook style versions of blog posts. So you can go to leanblog.org slash audio or search in your favorite podcast place for Lean Blog Audio. I hope that'll give you something else uh, that's food for thought, something else to help you in your lean journey. Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben, and welcome to episode 310 of the podcast. It's July 11th, 2018. Joining me again today is Stephen Shortell. He is Blue Cross of California Distinguished Professor and a Professor of Organizational Behavior at the University of California Berkeley School of Public Health. He was previously a guest on episode 267, where he talked about the establishment of a center called CLEAR, the Center for Lean Engagement and Research. So you can learn more about the uh, origins of that in episode 267. Today, we're, we'll be talking about some of the initial research that they've published in a paper in uh, the Joint Commission Journal on Quality and Patient Safety. That article is titled Use of Lean and Related Transformational Performance Improvement Systems in Hospitals in the United States results from a national survey. So Professor Shortell said that the article hopefully will be freely available soon after it's published by the Joint Commission in print. You can um, look for more information at the CLEAR website, clear.berkeley.edu. Thanks for listening. Well, Steve, thank you again for coming back on the podcast. How are you today? Very good, Mark. Yeah, good to be back. Happy to do it. Yeah, so you know, we talked back in episode 267 uh, about the CLEAR Research Center and would invite people to go back and, and listen to that episode. But for people who haven't, could you sort of you know, give a, a brief introduction to uh, the center and the research that you've been doing there? Sure. The uh, center was founded, Mark, about two, two and a half years ago. And uh, for listeners that may be interested, the, uh, our website is uh, www.clear, C-L-E-A-R, Center for Lean Engagement and Research, uh, .berkeley, uh, .edu. And we were founded uh, with support of our core sponsors to really uh, uh, put more of an evidence base behind the lean management operating system. A lot of the current evidence is uh, not that strong. It's somewhat equivocal. So our mission really of CLEAR is to conduct uh, timely, relevant, actionable research on the lean whole system transformation initiatives in healthcare. Our focus is on healthcare. And we have uh, among our products are 
work that we've been doing. We have an annotated bibliography that reviews all of the research going back to the year 2000. We update that about every three or four months. We organize it by type of initiative uh, as well. We also have launched the Lean Action Research Learning Collaborative, which is uh, seven leading hospitals and health systems, both in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, and then we joined forces with the American Hospital Association Health Research and Educational Trust to do a national survey of uh, lean implementation and, and related transformational performance uh, initiatives in U.S. hospitals. And uh, we'll be talking about that uh, later. But our, our vision really is to promote uh, actionable knowledge that helps organizations you know, eliminate waste and generate greater value uh, for patients, continuous improvement, and uh, experience of care, and at the same time, hopefully reduce the rate of growth in healthcare costs. So it's an ambitious uh, agenda, but uh, we've been fortunate in having a good start on it. Yeah, and, and the paper we're talking about today it was about hospitals in the United States. What 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 is the, is the scope of your center? Does that in, possibly include looking internationally, or is, is the focus on U.S. healthcare? It's a good question, Mark. The paper we'll talk about today that appeared in the Joint Commission Journal on Patient Safety and Quality uh, is based on U.S. hospitals, a national survey of U.S. hospitals. We've had quite a bit of interest now expressed potentially uh, in the U.K. of adapting our survey to the U.K., possibly Finland uh, interested, some interest up in Canada as well. So we don't know where that will lead, but there's been quite a bit of uh, international interest uh, in the research we've been doing here in the States. And because the survey is based on shingle principles and, and the four or five Ps and uh, very much generic regardless of country, I think others see in it the uh, potential for usefulness in their countries as well. Uh, although obviously there'll be some adaptation to their own, you know, history and environment. So what we're going to talk about today, though the findings are limited to the U.S., uh, but a lot of interest being expressed uh, internationally as well. Yeah, and, and and that would be interesting to see. And at some point, you know, I'd be curious what sort of research questions you could ask about comparative progress in different countries based on. Um, I guess, you know, if, I don't know if you, if you will, different styles of lean or, or different approaches that are taken. Because I mean, I, I guess the, the assumption, hopefully a lot of listeners, is that there are lessons that we can learn and, and lessons that are transferable across international boundaries. What, what are your thoughts on, on some of those questions or, you know, can some of those questions be answered? Yes, I, I think they can. And some comparisons that when we've talked to UK colleagues, they seem to be interested in are, for example, the number of years that organizations have been doing lean uh, in their country versus ours, and comparisons can be made there. Some of the scales and questions we've developed uh, are very germane also to, to other countries. And so one could compare the degree of lean implementation above and beyond the number of years they've been doing it but the degree of uh, implementation on various uh, measures, such as leadership commitment, standardization of work, uh, things of that sort, the use of lean tools, how many units are using it could be compared. The other thing we could compare are, as you suggest, the uh, different approaches to rolling it out. So we have data on did they do it kind of uh, in-depth in one model cell, or did they kind of spread it more thinly, 
Uh, how does that vary by, by country uh, as well? So we could do some comparisons of uh, how they rolled it out. And then finally, I think obviously we could eventually do some comparisons with the relationships to performance, uh, both perceived as well as some independent objective measures uh, that countries use, such as you know, reduced ED visits and reduced readmissions to hospitals. Uh, most countries are looking at some of those indicators as we are in the U.S. So the comparison there would be, is there a relationship between the degree of lean implementation in various countries and performance? Compare that with that relationship in the U.S. So I think there's a number of areas where uh, some meaningful comparisons could be made. So let's let's talk um, about the paper and and the research about lean transformation in American hospitals. And, and I think there's all kinds of interesting language here. Um, you know, it's just you know, in the title of the article, use of lean. What what does that mean? Using lean, doing lean. Um, does that translate to transformational efforts? Um, but I know in your research, as you presented at the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit recently, um, how do you and your research define lean? Was this something that was emergent through the research? Did you go into this with a definition? I'm curious how that might have evolved or what your thoughts are on some of that language. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It evolved from discussions that uh, Tom Randall, myself, Janet Blodgett, the three of us are the core staff of Lean, scouring the literature uh, over the past couple of years, uh, talking to our strategic advisory committee, uh, people like John Toussaint and, and others, we wanted to come up with a, uh, a comprehensive definition of Lean, and, and yet um, that hit the main elements. It couldn't be too long. And so, you know, what we came up with is it's an overall management and operating system. It's way beyond the tools, which many people associate with Lean. But it's an overall management and operating system that uses a continuous improvement culture. And all of these words are important to us. That empowers the frontline workers, nurses, physicians, support staff to solve problems, gives them the tools to do that, and eliminate waste by standardizing work to improve the value of care delivered to patients. That's the definition we came up with. And it's interesting, when you go back into the organizational literature, uh, even back in the 1970s and 80s, uh, there was an emerging view of organizations called the socio-technical approach. And Lean is very much the modern-day descendant of that. The socio-technical approach says that organizations are social systems that very much are influenced by relationships between people and their motivations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as they interact with tools and work processes to achieve the organization's goals. And so we view it as a, a modern-day socio-technical system, uh, but with the definition that I, I've just indicated. We've also found it seems to have resonance with most people. You can quibble around the edges, that kind of thing. But it hits, uh, we think, the main ingredients. And, and I think we'll we'll get into this a little bit further, um, you know, questions about how the research distinguished between organizations that are focusing on lean tools versus those that are, as you said, focusing on 
an overall management and uh, an operating system. And I, I think we'll we'll come back to this and I'll, I'll post the text of that definition on the blog page for this episode. But um, I mean, I'm curious maybe to dig into to one thing within the definition. You know, it, obviously it's great uh, to focus on empowering frontline workers to practice, uh, you could call it solving problems, you could call it practicing Kaizen and, and, and continuous improvement. But I, I, I'm curious, or you know, maybe this is implied in calling it an overall management and operating system. Um, if, you, you know, if you have some thoughts on, on the role of leaders and, and how do we balance the role of leaders and the role of frontline staff to make sure, for example, maybe you know, that a hospital doesn't think lean is about just uh, dumping all of the world's problems on frontline staff. What, what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, senior leadership is absolutely critical. Um, and that's where, where it all begins. Um, and they are the ones that have to learn to lead and manage differently. Uh, personally, I believe lean, if you take it seriously, is a radically new and different way of managing and leading an organization. And uh, it means uh, uh, empowering the frontline workers. What that really means is giving them the tools to solve the problems on the front line. Leaders need to remove some of the barriers to doing that. They need to uh, be involved in training. They need to quit uh, trying to solve the problem themselves. And it's really a radical departure from hero kind of leadership. The leader is hero and, you know, I've got to solve the problem, etc., because that's my job if others haven't already solved it kind of thing. And that's a very different kind of change, and I think it makes it very difficult. And so what we've seen as an example uh, is a number of hospitals who have been on their lean journey, and then the CEO leaves, uh, who believes in lean and has been trying to implement it, and then it collapses. Uh, we don't need to name names here, but uh, that occurred in a number of places. So I think it really begins with the governing board of the organization and with the, uh, the C-suite people, that they see that uh, this is the kind of way that has potential to achieve the triple aim and to deliver more value to patients. And uh, it really uh, needs to result in a change in behavior on the part of the top management team in terms of how they approach their work. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll we'll come back in a bit. I've just jotted a note here. Maybe come back to that question of board engagement in terms of defining uh, lean maturity. Does an overall management and operating system um, in, in include a board that is, uh, you know, putting measures in place to make sure lean uh, doesn't collapse at, at some point? Um, but I'd be curious if we could talk a little bit about, or you know, we're going to dive into. Um, learning more about the research paper about the adoption and impact of lean in U.S. hospitals. Um, I was wondering if you, if you could maybe you know, summarize a little bit about the methodology, because I'm, I'm sure it's a daunting question. People ask me um, all the time, what percentage, some variation of a question, like what percentage of hospitals are implementing lean? I'm like, well, I, there's, part of the question is what does implementing or doing or practicing mean? Um, how, how did you try to uh, address that challenge of looking across, obviously, a big country with thousands of hospitals um, to be able to draw some conclusions? Yeah, a little bit of a background. Uh, there's about 4,500 hospitals across the country. We eliminated the VA and some of the uh, uh, governmental hospitals, et cetera. 
Uh, and after reviewing the literature and developing piloting the survey, we piloted it with about a dozen or so uh, hospitals. We got it down to 20 minutes online, uh, et cetera. And we had standardized definitions. And we accepted, Mark, that if they reported, uh, and I'll say who, who most of the respondents were in a minute, uh, doing lean as I've just defined it, or lean plus six sigma, we counted that, the variance reduction and so forth, or the Joint Commission has something called robust uh, process improvement, which includes lean six sigma in the change management package, if you will. It's actually based on General Electric change management package. If they said, yes, we're doing at least one of those, we combine those. And so we counted that as they were doing transformational performance improvement. That certainly involved at least some major elements of lean. A number of them were doing other kinds of things, PDSA cycles and so forth and so on, trying to improve quality of care. But we did not include those as, uh, as a lean hospital, uh, as it were. So we looked at those, those three that I indicated. We got a, a data from about 1,200 hospitals. It's about a 27% response rate, which sounds low, but it's actually quite good for surveys of this kind. And we ended up with a pretty large number of hospitals to examine. We did have, if people are interested, a, a, some differences between those who responded and those who did not. They're pretty small. They're statistically significant because we have large numbers. So, for example, the investor-owned hospitals did not respond quite as much as the uh, not-for-profit. Teaching hospitals responded a bit more, and larger hospitals responded more than, than small hospitals, as you might expect. And what we found, so that was the basic methodology. That we identified, we learned from the uh, pilot that we wanted to go to the person that was most knowledgeable about what they were doing in overseeing the lean on a day-to-day -day basis. And that, it was varied names, but his transformational performance improvement officer was the name in some respondents. In other cases, it may have been the quality improvement officer. In other cases, the chief medical officer. So they went by different titles. Uh, but basically, that was the person who was responding. It wasn't the CEO. It was not the CEO. It was not the board chair. Uh, it was not a frontline person who might know his or her on job, but wouldn't be able to respond to the other questions. Uh, so those were the respondents. And uh, just to start off maybe, and I know we'll dig deeper, what we basically found uh, initially was about 69% of U.S. hospitals reported doing lean to some extent. We can get into that. But we then adjusted that number. What we did is we had the AHA data survey people uh, call up the non-respondents because we thought we probably had some bias, those doing lean more likely to respond. And they just asked them one very brief question, uh, are you doing lean and they gave them the standardized definitions or not? And somewhat to our surprise, it was still over 50% reported, yes, we're doing one of those things, but not as much as the full respondents. And so probably an adjusted, more realistic uh, answer to the question, how many American hospitals are doing some aspect of lean is closer to around 61%, 61-62%. So that would be the adjusted uh, number if one were, were asked that question. So we did find that about 61-62% uh, were doing lean. However, if you want to say, well, how many, for how many has it really spread throughout the organization? They consider it mature. Uh, no one ever arrives. It's an ongoing process. But nonetheless, it's taken hold as part of their culture, that 
percent drops to about 12.5 percent, or 102 hospitals. So who's doing lean? Who's transforming their organizations in this country? Maybe 12 percent, uh, you know, 100 or so, right? Uh, but how many are on the journey, or trying to get on the journey? Uh, you know, that would be a, the higher number, 60 percent or so. So those are some initial uh, findings. There's that range of um, maturity. And then one of the other questions you asked was uh, about the length of time, the duration of effort with lean. And one thing I would be curious about is, you know, whether, uh, you know, a, a year is 365 and a quarter days for everybody, I guess, if we're including leap year um, days. But, uh, you know, I wonder. You know, is is a year a year depending on the number of uh, you know de depending on the approach, the number of internal lean coaches, uh, let's say the knowledge of the CEO um, that I, I you know, I've, I've visited some organizations that would say you know we've been training people uh, about lean for three years and and they didn't really have any results yet to speak of because they said, well, you know, we're building capabilities. And, you know, the, and the other end of the spectrum, there might be organizations that have maybe, maybe have been driving too hard for results to where, you know, they're, they're doing projects and they're not sustainable. Um, so again, I mean, it seems like that's, that's a research challenge. How do you sort of standardize that effort or standardize that year to draw some conclusions? Yeah. So what we did is we tried to kind of surround it by, um, by going at it from several different approaches. Uh, one was their own perception, and uh, what we asked them, we gave them a choice of uh, where are you in terms of self-reported maturity, and they could say new startup stage, just getting started. They could say beyond startup, but challenge moving forward. So to your point, you know, we're training a lot of people. We've got a couple of cells going, but we're kind of stalled. Where do we go from here? A third response category, we've expanded it to other units, and we feel we're beginning to get traction throughout the hospital. And finally, they could say we've become a mature, transformational, performance improvement hospital. Now, what we did, Greg, with those kinds of questions is we cross-tabbed them or correlated them with a number of other measures we had, such as the number of units that are actually doing lean or the number of tools being used. We also had an, an index of uh, commitment with several questions which we can get into later on. We had measures of uh, the daily management system. We had measures of how many people have been trained uh, as well. We had, as you uh, indicated earlier, the number of years doing lean. And what we did is we looked at the correlation among all of these to validate them uh, and uh, we found them uh, significantly correlated. Uh, in other words, uh, what they told us about how far along they were on their journey, if you wanted to use that as a measure, it correlated significantly with these other measures. I mean, if you wanted to use, well, uh, we're going to use how many units are actually doing this stuff or how many people have been trained or whatever. Yeah, you could use those too because they're correlated with some of these other measures. The other thing we did, and maybe we can talk more about it later, is we said, okay, if that's the case, then we're going to ask a question at the end. We're going to give them like 16 areas in which, uh, based on the literature and our knowledge and our advisory committee, uh, they're beginning to see results. 
and we're going to ask them to check off, you know, how many of these are you really seeing results for? Now, you know, it's self-reported, and they could put their best foot forward, but we said that those who are saying they're more mature, doing it in more units, score higher on commitment, et cetera, et cetera, should then report that they're getting more results. That's another way of trying to validate some of this. And they did. Uh, they, they did, indeed. So we have quite a bit of confidence uh, that we can say that if a hospital, or we can use a number of different measures to chart a hospital's degree of implementation of lean. And it is related to the number of years that have been added, as you would expect. And so we kind of divide it into just starting first year or two, they score lower on all these things. When you get into the three, four, and five years, they're scoring a little bit higher. And then uh, as you get into eight years and and above is where you begin to get more of this maturity and, uh, you know, a lot of units doing it. So you can also look at it that way. So we kind of surrounded the problem of the challenge. Yeah. And and you talk about the risk of, you know, self-reported assessment, the risk of people wanting to paint a rosy picture or being inaccurate. What, what are some of the things that were done in the research to try to adjust or uh, account for that other than looking for the really, um, I mean, I guess, you know, the outcomes maybe are more objective and measurable than some of the inputs or, or how, how would you describe that? Well, it's all self-report from, from the survey. And so we have to be very cautious as we indicate in, in our article, we don't place a lot of weight on, on the self-reported performance, even though it, it makes sense from what they're doing. So um, as we, uh, indicated a little bit at the conference, we're able to do a peekaboo. Uh, what we've been able to do is now uh, get some independent, uh, observable, objective performance metrics by linking our data to IBM Watson performance data uh, based largely on CMS Medicare cost report data. So we've been looking at, uh, you know, Medicare spending per beneficiary. We've been looking at uh, operating margin data. We've been looking at EBITDA, uh, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and so forth, and the amortization. We've been looking at readmission rates. We've been looking at uh, CAP scores, patient experience scores. And that will be more of the independent validation of this. And what we find in the preliminary way, we can't say a lot about it yet because we're going to have a paper under review, uh, is that by and large, those hospitals doing lean, at least as of 2014, predict or are associated with their performance in 2015. Specifically, they have lower Medicare spending per beneficiary below the median. Uh, they have higher operating margin and EBITDA. They have higher cap scores. Uh, and uh, they also score a higher on risk-adjusted mortality for uh, severe conditions. There are some where there are no differences as well, so it's not like uh, uniformly, but by and large, uh, those hospitals doing lean in 2014 uh, indeed have better performance uh, looking at 2015 data. What we're going to do in the future, we have to wait to get uh, 2016, 17, 18 data because our survey data is in 2017, right? Uh, 2017, 2018. So we can't make a prediction going backwards. We have to wait to see, to get more measures as whether or not they're doing it. So what we're going to do in the future 
is look at the depth of implementation with the measures I've just talked about to see whether or not they relate to performance than in 2018, 2019. And uh, this is the first time anyone's had data on a national level like this, which is one of the things the field really needs. Uh, so that's going to be, we're going to have much more confidence in those results than in just the self-report results. Just to make, you know, maybe try you know clarify for listeners the, or if you can summarize the the impact of lean um, and maybe some of this, this is easier to take in in the format of of reading a paper, but um, you know if you can summarize the um, the impact that you've seen between um, organizations that are more highly mature and lean and the effect on quality measures, patient satisfaction. Uh, efficiency. Can, can you summarize some of those findings uh, for the listeners? Yeah, I, I would say the, the greater the degree to which the uh, hospital has implemented the lean operating management system, along with the various measures that go with that, uh, the better the hospital's performance. That's particularly true on the cost and efficiency domain of measures, uh, where I think we had three out of four positive in the right direction and significant. Uh, a little less so on quality measures. Of the five or six, we have about half of them are significant, better performance. Two of them are in the right direction, but not significant. One is slightly in the opposite direction, but again, it's not significant. You don't really pay attention to th our results that could occur by chance. So, so far with the data we have, uh, there's some evidence that the lean operating management system, the greater the degree to which it's being implemented or being used at least, uh, the better the performance, and that's particularly true on cost efficiency, a little less true on quality and outcome markers, although patient experience is, is higher. So if you think that lean is this big focus on eliminating waste and so on on process improvement, it's perhaps not surprising that you'd see more of an impact on the efficiency cost side uh, than you might on the quality and outcome side. To get it on the quality and outcome side, you have to believe, which, uh, you know, Don Berwick and uh, Brent James and many others believe, uh, that as you eliminate waste and uh, do process improvement work, it'll also show up in better quality. And we find some glimmers of that, uh, but not as persuasive a case yet uh, as might be true in the future. Uh, perhaps it takes longer, or those metrics are not sensitive enough to uh, quality uh, that you might might hope they might be. So that's the way I would summarize it. There's uh, very much uh, positive results on the cost efficiency side, a little bit more mixed on the quality and outcome side, uh, but still to be continued. Yeah, and I wonder how much... Um those results are impacted by the focus of some of those organizations, because like you said, uh, you know, Don Berwick, uh, Brent James, others who've been, you know, supporters of uh, lean and other methodologies, you know, I think, you know, understand the idea going back to W. Edwards Deming that you have this virtuous cycle of improving quality. Um, it's not just the right thing to do. It also leads to, better efficiency and, and that that can go hand in hand. You know, I've heard Brent James talk about, you know, the variation in uh, approaches that different hospitals take toward lean. And, you know, I think 
you know, I think he's right to try to distinguish, and it sounds like your research is distinguishing between those that are just doing tools and projects versus those that are trying to embrace a management and operating system. But I, th I think, you know, the final point, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, of course, is, you know, I think even though Toyota people would emphasize, you know, safety and quality, uh, flow, improvements, leading to cost as an end result, I, you know, I see, I think there's a reality in a lot of hospitals where there is a, a very deeply ingrained old habit of cost focus. And, you know, I wonder, or I've seen sometimes where hospitals and leaders with that old mindset get introduced to lean and they view it through that cost lens and they say, oh, here's a new way for us to reduce cost. Um, so I wonder if, if those results are or how much those influ those results might be influenced by factors like that? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that that's right, Mark. Absolutely, and we've seen it uh, some of our site visits in that that those are glomming onto that CEOs that are glomming on under the cost pressures and and uh, the Medicare payment models and so on. Yeah, go ahead and do lean. We need to take out costs. Sounds promising, but it is just a cost reduction technique or method or methodology. And it's really not central to the strategic, to the culture of, of the way in which that CEO wants to manage and lead the organization. And we don't think that lean, uh, based on our results so far, will go very far if it's just viewed as a set of tools and let's do it in the emergency department and, you know, you can take out some waste here or there. That's great. But they really don't get it or they get it maybe up in their heads, right, intellectually, but not behaviorally. Uh, that it really needs to result in different kinds of standard work for the CEO and his or her colleagues in the C-suite. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we talk about those um, behaviors and that culture. Um, I think earlier you described at least one element of maturity is how lean is becoming a culture. And then I, maybe we can bring it back to the question of, of CEO turnover or the role of the board. Um, you know, is it possible that lean at some point is, is, is sort of perilous where it's becoming the culture, but it's, it's too easily undone versus reaching some sort of tipping point, if you will, where it becomes such a strongly predominant culture that the organizations would have antibodies or some sort of um, immune response. I'm, I'm an engineer trying to come up with a, a medical analogy, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah. you know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm curious if you can elaborate on some of that. If you've seen organizations that are really embracing that management system, does that mean you know the the, the board is driving it? The board is educated. The board is influenced to to help make sure. Let's say there's there's not that risk of putting a CEO in place who doesn't care about that culture of lean and is maybe willing to undo that culture? Yeah, no, de definitely. I mean, two prime examples. One is St. Mary's, and they spoke at the recent summit, as you know, and uh, Don Shelton and the group up in uh, Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. It's driven by, by the board. Don's retiring, and the board is going to hire somebody who understands lean, and that's the way they're going to run that hospital. And so they won't my prediction is they won't miss, miss a beat. Uh, another example out here in the West Coast in our area is San Francisco General Hospital, now Zuckerberg, San Francisco General. And they went searching for a CEO a couple years ago, and 
uh, they were on their lean journey already, and they deliberately sought out someone who was a, a lean, uh, you know, advocate and was going to run the organization that way. So they got uh, Dr. Susan Ehrlich, who was a health officer down in, I guess it was San Mateo County, and uh, you know she is just continuing full pace. So those are examples when it comes to CEO succession, of where if it's really a part of the culture of the organization, the board and the search committee, and the search firms they use, the headhunters, they're going to be looking for people who say that's the way I manage and lead. You know maybe I have to adapt to the new institution, but I'm going to manage and lead that way. So that's absolutely critical. What I don't think we've seen yet, uh, and I think it's more difficult, but it could be occurring, it could occur, is where it kind of comes more from the bottom up. That is to say, CEO resigns, and yet the way in which the nurses, the lab techs, the sanitation people, everyone in that organization, the way in which they do their work is just lean-oriented, visual management, standard work, every, every day, right? Uh, would be such that a new person coming in that maybe was recruited for various reasons uh, maybe doesn't know much about lean, you know, isn't against it, but doesn't know much about it, would just get so immersed and imbued in it because they recognize that's the culture of the organization and it'd be stupid to upset it, right? That can occur, so it could occur from the uh, workforce at large. I just haven't seen that yet. I've seen the opposite uh or, you know, the workforce is clearly engaged, but it's really be driven uh, by the governing board and, and the headhunter firm that says we want somebody who understands Lane is going to manage the organization that way. Yeah, and, you know, I've talked to people who um, have worked at organizations where they've, they've seen you know, uh, a demise of lean. And it seems like the more frequent story I hear, it's not that a CEO coming in is actively opposed to lean. It's more a matter of they're just uh, maybe unaware um, and, and and not actively pursuing it. Um, and, and, and sometimes it seems like there's a dynamic of looking for cost cutting and, and that lean or process improvement department. Um, might be viewed as optional by by some of these leaders who haven't been part of uh, that sort of culture change and transformation elsewhere. So it really does seem like the board and their um, hiring decisions, the recruiters that they're using, that things like that would make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really about alignment. You know, the the true north. Can you see what the two or three strategic priorities are for the organization that year? And how do they cascade down in terms of standard work for everyone in the organization and back up again and in the visual management? And so that is where I think some of the disconnect is. A new CEO comes in, there's cost pressures, and of course we want to continue to lean, and you know, that makes sense, but the priority really is we're about to merge with another hospital or whatever it might be, right? And that's sort of a disconnect, or it's not connected, put it that way, to what what the lean journey is. Instead of saying, okay, the big thing is we're going to spend a lot of time and energy merging with this other hospital. You know, how do we embed our way of doing partnerships as part of lean, right? So what's the standard for doing that? Uh, or my God, we've got to, you know, implement Epic this year. So maybe we should set aside some of this lean stuff instead of saying, wait a minute, new IT system. IT is very important to the lean journey. How do we use how we're doing lean 
what's going to be the standard work? How is the work going to change for everyone in order to implement EPIC? So maybe we have to drop some things from the plate, right? That That's fine. Set them aside. But we've got to reprioritize. But we're still going to do it in a way of standard work, problem solving on the front line, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's the alignment, the common thread that we think is so important. Yeah, and looking at the summary from what you presented um, at the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit, and um, I, again, I would encourage people um, to, to go and, um, and find the paper, um, Use of Lean and Related Transformational Performance Improvement Systems in Hospitals in the, in the United States results from uh, a national survey. Hopefully the listeners, uh, their organizations have uh, access to the article. Um, what, what, what's the, do you have, uh, is the, I know the article's available through the Joint Commission Journal. Um, looks like currently there's, there's a, a purchase price for the article. Um, it, it, the, the, the paper, or at least the summary is available um, online with some of the background and the key results, right? Yes, it is. Those are available online. It will, it's online now. It'll come out in print. I don't know when. We're not allowed to really, uh, I guess, put it on our website until it kind of comes out in print, just in terms of the, uh, you know, the journal, etc. We will do that as soon as it comes out in print. But people can get the uh, abstract there. And quite frankly, if they uh, email us, uh, Mark would be glad to send them a copy. I think we can do it that way, one-offs, one if they if they want to go beyond the abstract and beyond listening to the results here today. But, uh, but once it gets in print, then it's totally in the public domain, I think, can be, be downloaded beyond the abstract. Okay. And, and what's your email address, Steve, if, if somebody does want to reach yeah, out? It, yeah, it's just my last name, Shortel, at berkeley 3 edu and uh, be happy to send a copy uh, by attachment to people who want it beyond the abstract that is posted. And then we'll be posting it on our website in a month or two as soon as it comes out in, in print uh, as well. I, I would say, Mark, also listeners might be interested in knowing that working with the research collaborative partners that we have, and I'll tick them off, give them credit going from west to east here, uh, San Francisco General Zuckerberg is a member. UCSF Health System is a member. Sutter Health out here in Northern California is a member. Atrium Health, they were Carolinas uh, in Charlotte, member. Indiana University Health System, Indianapolis is a member. We have also uh, the in Pennsylvania uh, is a member, Lancaster General, they're part of the uh, Penn system. And then up in Canada, uh, as I mentioned, St. Mary's. So we've been working with those seven over the past year and have developed a, uh, what we think is a very reliable, quick 10-minute, 43-item implementation assessment instrument that can be given to whomever organizations want to give it to, their employees, staff, etc., to chart the degree of implementation uh, on about seven or eight dimensions of lean, and they can use it to identify gaps. So that's going to be put into the public domain probably in the next couple of weeks. So I did want to indicate that that's another product, and we'll have that on our website in a few weeks as well. Okay, that's great. And um, I want to thank you, Steve, for coming back on the podcast and, and sharing some of the highlights, um, some of the, I think, really encouraging 
uh, you know, generally positive results from the article. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, I think some of the key takeaways are, um, you know, there's a relatively small subset of, of hospitals in the U.S. that are really deeply pursuing lean as a management system and culture. And it's those organizations that have been at this the longest and are maybe going the deepest in terms of um, culture and management system that are having um, generally the best results in terms of cost and some quality indicators and some patient satisfaction indicators. Is that is that a fair summary? Yep, that's a great summary, Mark. It's a never-ending marathon. <laughs> so those that stay at it and stay steady and persevere, they're eventually, I think, going to get the results that they, they hope for, but then it's never-ending. Never Natural entropy and sliding back is a reality, and you have to constantly push against that. Well, and hopefully your research will, will spark others to, to take their lean journeys um, deeper and, and more along the lines of transformation uh, instead of doing. So thank you for um, your contributions um, to, to that and, um, and for your work. So uh, again, our guest has been um, Steve Shortell from CLEAR, the Center for Lean Engagement and Research in Healthcare at uh, UC Berkeley. Um, thanks again for taking time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Happy to do it. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.